0: This is Cover Two, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit.
1: Browns are going to win. Bayfield,
0: Epson, touchdown. With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorschach from the Canton Repository. It's
1: intercepted. Pick off by Denzel Ward. Chubb will take this all the way. Browns fans,
0: now cover to a podcast on the Cleveland Browns.
1: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to cover to a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. This is Dan Kader, joined as always by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how have you been?
0: Busy but good. How are you?
1: Very good. Yeah, it's it's uh. Super busy season right now in terms of the last two weeks until the draft. We're recording this podcast on Thursday afternoon. So in a little more than two weeks, we'll know some new members of the Cleveland Browns. But Nate is especially busy uh, this week because the Browns finally, after an extended courtship, they they signed uh, J- Davian Clowney. The big-name pass rusher, and that's the descriptor, Nate, I'm going to choose to use at the moment, the big-name pass rusher. What what do you make of the Clowney signing? You have all the news up over at BeaconJournal.com slash sports slash Browns, but what is your opinion on, on Clowney to Cleveland finally?
0: Well, I think that people who cover the Browns, And Analyze the Browns, myself included, are feeling much better about themselves. And the egos are not as bruised now. Because heading into free agency, this is what we all thought was going to happen. We thought that they were going to get a big-name edge defender to pair with Miles Garrett. And then, instead, they signed Tack McKinley, who they like and think has a lot of untapped potential. But wasn't in that category of defensive ends that we thought was going to be the target and we thought was going to be acquired. Well, lo and behold, a month later, Andrew Berry did what we thought he was going to do. And that is comforting to me because Andrew Berry does what makes sense. He's very strategic and targeted in his approach. Last year, it was about the offense, the offensive tackles being the focus. And obviously this off season it's about upgrading All three levels of the defense. The biggest need heading in, though, was defensive end opposite Miles Garrett. And after that extended courtship and that relentless pursuit of Jadavian and Clowney, two off-seasons in a row, Andrew Berry finally lands him. Clowney did Zoom yesterday with Browns Beat Riders and said that that persistence was a huge factor in his decision. And... It's pretty funny. He must be a ladies' man or fancy himself one because he compared it to (laughs) a woman wanting him, which really made me laugh uh, to myself. (laughs) And um, it really made me think of Andrew Barry's introductory news conference when he said that he wanted to be defined by aggression. And that doesn't mean going out and spending a ton of money all the time and... You know, kind of taking some of the swings uh, that, that, you know, even John Dorsey, who could acquire talent like one of the best GMs in the league, but would take some of those characteristics. That wasn't the kind of aggression that Andrew Barry was talking about. Turns out, I think this is the kind of aggression that he's talking about. The persistence, not giving up on a guy he really wants. He kept coming at Jadavian Clowney, who rebuffed him last year who turned down the best offers of any offers that he received last year, and those came from the Browns. He went with the Titans. One year, $13 million, reunited with Mike Vrabel, his former position coach and defensive coordinator with the Houston Texans. Well, the knee injury happened. You know, meniscus damage in the left knee, surgery, only played half the season, no sacks. A lot of people might think, hmm, maybe he's not worth it anymore, but Andrew Barry still wanted him, and that mattered to Jadavian Clowney. Andrew Barry also went after Tack McKinley in similar fashion. We know that there were four attempts last year, a trade talks with the Falcons, and then three waiver claims as he bounced from the Falcons to the 49ers, Bengals, and Raiders with failed physicals, and Andrew Berry put in those three waiver claims, but the Browns were behind those other teams in the in the waiver order. Well, this year, Andrew Berry comes back at Tack McKinley when he hit the open market and he ends up getting both these guys that he was going after last year. And I think with the combination of them, obviously health is a huge factor, and you have to say that anytime you talk about Jadavy and Clowney, I still think it's a pretty nice combination opposite Miles Garrett.
1: Well, I, I think it was a necessary move and I, I agree with you on the, the Andrew Barry thoughts as well. I mean, he's he's been very straightforward the last two years with you know going after what he wants and, and getting it whether it's Jack Conklin or, or whomever or clown even and, and McKinley this year you know that, that there's something to say about that, but my question is, The Clowney move was necessary, and you can argue the McKinley move was necessary, too. But are the Browns better now with those two than they were last season with Olivier Vernon and Adrian Claiborne? And I I know it's easy to, you know, look back and know what you got last year, particularly the second half of the season out of Vernon, and you're obviously projecting with, with clowney and mckinley but that that's the reality of it are the browns better now at pass rush than they were last season what what do you think of that
0: i'm i'm so glad that you that you um kind of framed it this way because i was thinking the exact same thing it's easy to say yes um but i don't want to just automatically say yes because uh you know, Olivier Vernon had a pretty good season last year. I mean, the nine sacks and the good production against the run, you know, that's really good for a number two defensive end. And it let's is. not forget, when Miles Garrett went out with COVID, they won both those games that, that Garrett was out. Best player on the team, they went 2-0 and without him, in large part because Olivier Vernon held down the fort very well and even won AFC Defensive Player of the Week in one of those games against the Eagles. So... Vernon ruptures the Achilles in the the January 3rd regular season finale. We know he's not going to be back because of it. Although I have a little bit of a Vernon thing that I'll get to later. Um, So you needed that replacement. Now, I think obviously with Claiborne and and McKinley, probably going to be in the same role. You know, situational rusher. Clowney is the starter. He's really the Vernon replacement opposite Garrett. I think you definitely have a higher ceiling with Clowney and McKinley than you do with Vernon and Claiborne. Uh, what's interesting, is you, you obviously get younger, but what's interesting is all these guys we're talking about are first-round picks. I mean, so they are all talented guys. Um, it really just comes down to, and I hate to keep saying it, because you can say this about football, sports in general, but it really is with Jadavian Clowney a question of health and, and how many games you're going to get out of him. If you can get him back into the teens in terms of games played, I think this is going to be a better combination for the Browns. I really do. And I think that there's something to be said for Tack McKinley knowing the way. He tweeted his way off the Falcons, bounced around the league with the injury, the failed physicals. I think that he knows this is kind of a do-or-die situation for him and his career. And I think if he didn't know that already, which I'm convinced he, he did know that, he really should know it now after they went outside Clowney. Like mm-hmm. He's got to make the most of his opportunities when he's out there on the field, make, his most, make the most of his opportunity the Browns are giving him in general and big picture with his career. So I think that there's a... There's also some uh, some fire that that uh, Jadavian Clowney has lit under him after having no sacks and and only playing half a season last year, wanting to prove he can still dominate, it, as he said yesterday. So I think you're getting too too uh, too motivated, guys. It's going to come down to to health. You know, Clowney has had surgery the past two off seasons, the knee that I mentioned earlier, uh, also a core muscle injury after the. Uh, 2019 season that he spent with the Seahawks. So if you again if you can get him into the teens, you're getting kind of the availability that Vernon gave you, then I think this is going to end up being a better combination. But Vernon and Claiborne, that wasn't a bad one. And Vernon really was a good number two defensive end in 2020.
1: He he was. And my, my initial feeling about these additions is that McKinley is going to be a little bit of an upgrade over uh, Claiborne and Clowney, that it's going to be tough. I mean, to, to top what Vernon did last year, Clowney would have to set a record for himself in sacks in a season. He's never had double-digit sacks. And man, you are spot on uh, with with the health thing because this is a guy who he's extremely talented, but it's always a but with him with the injury stuff. Whether it was the meniscus last year, microfracture surgery as a rookie, which he said is is pretty much the worst injury you can get as a football player, and he's right. That is a devastating injury. Um, he he's always hurt. He's only played a full season once. So it's to me, Clowney is high risk, high reward. Um, so we'll, we'll see which side the Browns land. I, I, I just don't see a gray area with him being just pretty good. I, I, I see him as a, you're going to get a lot or you're going to get what he did in Tennessee last season. So, Time will tell, obviously.
0: Yeah, um, but I I agree, but I do think it is all, and I do think it is tied to his availability. Like you're get if he's if he's out there, I think you're going to get a lot. Like, and in in the nine sacks, Dan, like the the Vernon put up, I don't expect Clowney to to get nine sacks. He's only done it, like you said, in two seasons. He had nine and a half. That's his career high. In one nine in the other, was that 2017, 2018? I think it was. Um. So you know,
1: yeah, yep. we're,
0: yeah, we're a little ways away from that, obviously, but I think that you're going to get a a really good, um, you know, run defender, a guy who creates a lot of pressure, um, you know, quarterback hits, and and I think that you know he's not going to have the the nine sacks that Vernon had, but I, I still think that. When I say higher ceiling, I think that if he is if he's getting in the 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 number of games in the teens, you know, meaning he'll only miss, you know, three or so games, uh, four games, you know, with going to the seventeen game schedule. And then of course with the Browns, the the, the expectation now is absolutely playoffs. I think you're going to get some splash plays that you just want to get out of Vernon. So the sacks might not be there um, in terms of the nine that Vernon had, but I think you're going to get some some you know force fumbles. I mean, this is a guy who's had I think eight fumble recoveries, three of them touchdowns. Has had an interception return for a touchdown. There's <laughs> still there's still something about him being a crazy elite talent and 28 years old. And I probably older than that because of all, you know, in terms of his body, because of all the injuries, but I still think that there's game changing plays in him that you just don't get out of Olivier Vernon. That's why I say higher ceiling.
1: Yeah, I I think that's, that's a fair statement. So it kind of leads to, one of the big questions of the offseason now, and it's about the draft in that position in the draft. You know, the, the thought has been pass rusher is the biggest need on the Browns. You can argue now that they've addressed it. Maybe the Browns think they've addressed it sufficiently. Do you think that this move eliminates the need to take a pass rusher in the first round. I mean, obviously, things change if guys fall, and you really, really love a guy, but is defensive end now a first-round need for the Browns, in your opinion?
0: I don't think it's a first-round need, per se. I wouldn't be surprised if they still went that route. You know, I still think defender is the most likely route. I'm still going to go with my four possibilities being cornerback, defensive end, linebacker, and receiver. I still think I've been pounding the drum that cornerback is the likeliest route for a while. Obviously, now I feel even stronger about it. Uh, If you want to bet that galley boy, I feel totally ready to do that now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it, it's a bit unfair though, right? I mean, the, the better bet would you, you, for you would have been getting that, um, you know, uh-huh. sealed before, before Clowny. If you still want to do it though, we can, but I think a more fair bet would almost be, and I think I'm willing to do it. I, I'm almost willing to bet that a, a galley boy on cornerback being the first round pick of the Browns, whether that's a 26 or a trade up You know, I'm almost willing to to say, Dan, if they don't draft a cornerback, then a galley boy is on me. I just feel even more strongly that it's going to be a cornerback. Of course, there's a possibility it would be one of those other three options I listed. But when you look at it, unless you feel like Greedy Williams is going to be fine and is your number two cornerback, um, coming off a season in which he played no games because of nerve damage in the shoulder, I don't see how it's not a big need. Like, they signed Troy Hill, okay? He can play outside opposite Denzel Ward, but plan A is definitely for him to play in the slot. So I just think that that number two corner spot is still kind of staring Andrew Berry in the face, and I think that he is whittled down kind of these holes he wanted to fill on defense and set himself up to take that corner the way that he set himself up to take a left tackle last year. Now I understand it is different because he's picking 26 this year, barring a trade, and he was picking 10 last year. So it's much more of an inexact science. This time around, I still think that when it comes to logic, targeted strategy that i mentioned earlier that this guy employs he is just knocked down all the dominoes but that number two cornerback and i think that is where they're going to go in the first round on april 28th or whatever it is 29th april
1: 28th. yeah 29th yeah. well yeah i mean look you're the, the thing is about Greedy Williams, and it, it hasn't really gone said because the, the, the talk has all been his injury stuff, right? But it's gone unsaid that this is a guy who was drafted by the previous regime. You know, the different head coach, different defensive coordinator, different general manager, the, the whole thing. So he has more than just the injury thing going against him. You know, I, I know the Browns say all the the nice things about him, but we don't know exactly how they think about his fit in their defense. So, look, I'm I'm willing to concede that cornerback probably is the most likely scenario in the first round. However, in the in the spirit of us betting on a galley boy, what about what about this shift? I take front 7 on defense and you get secondary. So, I get linebackers, defensive ends, defensive tackles, you get cornerback and safety. What do, what do you think about that modified galley boy bet?
0: I mean, I I obviously going to take it cuz I just told you if they if they do anything other than corner that I'd be willing to give you a galley boy. So you could take receiver. You could take safeties. You could take all the positions in football, kicker, long (laughs) snapper. I'm just taking corner. I'm taking corner against the field.
1: All right. You're on then. All right. Um, All right. It's it's a bet. You heard it here on cover two. Uh, Nate is going to be buying me a galley boy a little bit after the draft because – I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I I don't have any insight into it, but the, the linebacker talk sure is not going away, if you ask me. Um, and, you know, there, there, there are going to be pass rushers back where the Browns are picking or if they, they move up. So, uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's my way of asking you, what is what is your take on kind of the notion of you know, someone like Jamin Davis of Kentucky, or um, oh, shoot, now his name just escaped my mind from Tulsa, Zayden Collins, yeah, yeah, or well, or now like the these wide receivers, Nate. The the conversation just isn't going away with with those two positions. So what what are your thoughts on those two positions? Well, my
0: thought, my, first of all, my thought, I want to say something about defensive end. I could totally see it still being the outcome because we just talked about it. Jadavian clowney and Tech McKinley are on one year deals. So if you have an opportunity to get your defensive end of the future, meaning beyond the 2021 season, you know, under contract, you get a fifth year option with them. You can develop them. He can be your future on a on a relatively uh, cheap deal because that's how the rookie contracts are. And you could have that number two spot beyond the season locked up I opposite Miles Garrett. That that would make sense. You can't rule it out. As far as linebacker, I feel so repetitive, but I got to keep pointing out that Andrew Barry, Paul Lee Podesta, just do not put a premium on that position. They showed us right out, out of the gate when – When they started together as a regime, um, you know, at least with, I guess, the second time around with Andrew Barry in the GM chair, that they let Joe Schobert walk. And then they, I think, were like one of the last, you know, three, four teams in linebacker spending last year. Um, I think they're about the same this year. Um, You know, Anthony Walker, uh, three I think he's like $3, three million and change. Um, that, that's really the investment they've made there. And I think that they feel better about their linebacker room than outsiders do. Like, I think they think Jacob Phillips can be what they need. The third-round pick from last year who missed a lot of games because of knee injuries, but looked pretty fast and explosive when he was on the field and I think that they think Sione Takitaki improved last year and that Anthony Walker is going to be good for him and a real leader and one of the fastest, as Andrew Barry said, linebackers in the league. And I just think that, you know, they're, they're bringing back Malcolm Smith as their top coverage linebacker and they have a comfort level with him and his veteran leadership and, um, you know, the role he can play for them in nickel. I think they see more in that group than the average fan or you know most analysts and you know beat reporters so I'm just having my hard time a hard time wrapping my mind around them taking a linebacker in the first round because it would definitely be them kind of going against their philosophy or the rule in terms of investing a lot in that position now my thing is if you're if, if that's going to happen, I think it has to be somebody that they really fall in love with and make, and kind of forces them to make an exception to their rule on linebacker. And I think that it's about traits and being different. And I think Zayvon Collins is different that way because he is an off-ball linebacker, but he's so big that you probably can use him the way Tulsa did on third downs and let him rush off the edge a little bit at times. Um, he said he loves to do that. Um, he loves to run sideline to sideline, wants to be everywhere. So if you think that he is different enough and gives you the versatility, which is a huge word for Joe Woods, uh, it's a huge word for Joe Woods and for the NFL in general now. I, I don't know. I, I, I can kind of wrap my mind around him. I don't know enough about Davis right now. Do you think that Davis fits that mold, is kind of a rule breaker. Is he that special to make this regime, you know, make that commitment? I, I want to know that from you. And then wide receiver, yeah, I mean, I could see it. Because, right, you have a lot of money, more than $30 million, uh, combined, wrapped up in Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. And it's just not going to stay together forever. So it's, it's similar to defensive end. It's about the future and – and you're going to have to be ready for it when it happens. So that's why I could see it. Obviously, you want a speed element, too, to add to the offense. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. It would be my fourth likeliest option if I'm ranking them. But what do you think about Davis,
1: Dan? Well, he's really freaking good. Um, and And I would say that if you thought Levante David should have been an off-season addition for the Browns. He is the kind of, Davis is the kind of linebacker that would fill that area. Now, maybe the Browns think Anthony Walker does that, but Davis is, he's lanky, he's extremely fast, um, chases the ball down, good instincts, all that kind of stuff. Now, in the NFL, like a lot of linebackers, you know, taking on blocks is going to be an issue. Sometimes hitting, you know, a powerful ball carrier can, can give him problems, whether it's a tight end or running back, that kind of thing. But, man, he, he moves around and he, he can cover a lot of ground for you, you know. So, I, I personally, I don't think he should totally be out of the question myself. Though so you make a good point with the, the versatility thing. I don't think he's as much of a, you know, linebacker-safety-hybrid kind of player as, like, the guy from Notre Dame is. Um, and he's, he's a different kind of player than what Zayvon Collins is. So, man, that that's tough, dude. I guess based on how I described him, does he sound too redundant then with what Anthony Walker is going to be providing.
0: I don't know. So I mean, a little way. bit. It almost sounds like he's just, you know, an, an upgraded version. But, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and, and the other thing I would say is, uh, let me take this name slowly and get it right. Jeremiah Aruso karamoa Probably yeah. right. But yeah. the linebacker from Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like John Johnson III, Grant Delpit, you know, Ronnie Harrison are those versatile safeties. You're going to play three of them a lot who are going to be playing some linebacker roles at times. So I don't, you know, I don't know if you need the linebacker who's kind of like a safety, too, if you have safeties who are supposed to be kind of like linebackers in situations, but... Maybe you do because let's just have everyone be as versatile as possible. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I'm just, you know, if I've just got the Zayvon Collins colored uh, glasses on or whatever. But out of the linebackers, he just strikes me as the one who I can just wrap my mind around Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta saying, you know what? Who really cares what we think about linebackers? This guy is different. He's special, <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe the other guys you're talking about are too in different ways, but I just have that in my mind about Zeke
1: Collins. Yeah, look, it, it's hard to say a six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound linebacker with an eighty inch wingspan who runs a four six forty isn't special. You know, so he he checks a ton of boxes. So, and th- and that's why I feel a little more comfortable with with my with my galley boy bet here. I don't, I don't like giving up Swenson's to anybody. So, I yeah, two weeks. I I can't wait to see what happens here in, in just over two weeks during the draft. But
0: hey, Swenson's um, bet real quick though. This is a separate yeah. thing, and I just want to say it real quick. If cornerback isn't yeah. If cornerback isn't at twenty six or elsewhere in the first round, I think it definitely is in the second round. Like my point is, I would be mm-hmm. shocked if cornerback wasn't one of the first two picks. Whether it's you know if the, if the Browns come out of the first and second round without a cornerback, I would be stunned. I mean, I would leave l- wiggle room for a first round. Obviously, there's other options we talked about. And then if you go a different route, you got the Georgia corners that you can look at. I talked about last week a little bit in the second round. Yep. Other possibilities mm-hmm. you could trade up from 59. You know, if an Asante Samuel uh, Jr. or whatever is hanging around. Um, I don't know, but I, I would be I would be stunned if Corner isn't one of those first two picks. And to kind of. Piggyback off that, I would not be stunned. I would no longer be stunned if defensive end isn't one of those first two picks because of the JV, Jadavian Clowney acquisition. And, you know, you've got him, Tech, McKinley, Miles Garrett, and, uh, you know, and then you, you're going to want another defensive end. And, you know, you got some young guys in Porter Gustin, Curtis Weaver, maybe maybe you wait a little bit longer in the draft and, and pick a defensive end to to, to compete with those guys. And I don't know. I it, it is a little bit less of a uh, you know slam dunk to me that defensive ends a first or second round pick. Uh, I'm wondering what you think about that. And then one other thing, I said I had something about Olivier Vernon. Like I don't think they're going to lose that phone number because. We talked a lot about Jadavian Clowney's injury history. Is there any scenario where Olivier Vernon is working his way back and then at some point in the season, you know, obviously nobody wants this to happen, but it's part of the game and it's part of Jadavian Clowney's history. If he were to get hurt, is there any scenario where you talk about, hmm, it's October, how's Olivier Vernon doing in his comeback? I just don't think... You can completely write off some kind of reunion there. Uh, And this isn't, you know, any kind of inside information with Olivier Vernon or anything. I'm just thinking logically, he was such a good number two defensive end for you last year. And if he did not rupture his Achilles, I think he's somebody they would have wanted to bring back. So I don't think they'll lose the number, is my point.
1: I, I think that is a tremendous point because, you know, there's no way he's going to be ready for the start of the season with that injury. So he, he could be a guy, another one year deal when, when you need it. I I think that's a heck of a point. And if, or when it happens, uh, we will happily pull up cover two and say, Hey, Nate thought that on April 15th, um, As far as the cornerback thing, I I think you're right. I think that needs to be one of their first two picks. I I would say get to know those Georgia guys, like you mentioned. Eric Stokes. um, Tyson Campbell. They're, They're both really good. They're both really fast. They both have size. They're good. I would say get to know Aaron Robinson of UCF. Very, very fast. Kind of short. Shorter arms, short guy, but he can play inside and outside. He's really good. Um, Paulson Adebo at Stanford, who's had, I believe, some injury stuff. Um, he, he's pretty good. Uh, there, there's a there's a redshirt sophomore in this draft, Kelvin Joseph of Kentucky. Um, that would be fascinating if the Browns' first two picks were defenders from Kentucky. Um, that, that would be kind of fun. So, I, I would get to know them. And like we talked about last week, Sante Samuel Jr., it, to me, you kind of know what you're getting with that guy. Um, but he's good. So, yeah, I, I think you're right, though. First, first two picks, one of them really needs to be a cornerback. Obviously, you know, stuff happens in the draft that you can't project or expect. And maybe the Browns see some guy falling that they just love at some other position. But there there is good depth in the first two rounds of cornerback this year. So I, I think that makes all the sense in the world. Um, what else, Nate? Do you want to get to some serial talk real quick and then we'll head out of here?
0: Well, I I do want to ask you something before we get to serial talk. Sure. Um, Big picture expectations for this Browns team. They're in the lead eight of the NFL, so to speak, last year, the Mm divisional round. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of productive moves on the defensive side, which they needed to get done. And more to come with the draft, you would think. Uh, So... What does this do for you and your expectations for the team? Are they any different with the Jadavian Clowney signing? Or have you kind of been at the same spot for a while
1: now? Well, I I don't think they're a ton different with the Jadavian Clowney signing. I think they're much more different with the signing of John Johnson, Troy Hill. I think those were the two big, huge massive needs on on the defense and, and pass coverage so my expectations before Clowney were this this is a team that should compete with the chiefs for the afc title now whether or not they can beat the chiefs that is an extremely tough ask and i, I i'm just not ready to go there yet i, I don't know why, why exactly maybe it's the patrick mahomes factor I, I just don't know, but to me they're they are a team that should be competing for the afc championship um, the the super Bowl thing look i I know a lot of fans are here we go brownies here we go woo woo um, super Bowl here we come type of thing and that look that's great I'm just not quite there yet is all so. Uh, that that's where I stand with that. Is your expectation changing for this team?
0: No, I wouldn't say it's changing because I thought that you know they're they're definitely a contender. They have been a contender. Um they 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 proved it under Kevin Stefanski in his first year. You know, they were very close to getting to that AFC title game last year. And I know it was funky with Patrick Mahomes getting hurt in the divisional round game. And I do think that it was, you know, one of those golden opportunities that slipped away. I compared it to, you know, Michael Jordan not being there for the second half of a game when, you know, those Cavs games that we, those Cavs teams that we grew up with always had to Mm -hmm. face him, Dan. But, um you know, I still think about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, and the Browns were 0-2 against them last year. Yeah, they had a hell of a game, instant classic on Monday Night Football. You know, so <laughs> there's there's not just like, you know, hey, you know, Javian Clowney's here. It, it, it's a slam dunk. It's a no-brainer. You know, the Buffalo Bills are good. You know, I mean, there's, there's just not like an – Easy path to the Super Bowl for the Browns because of these young quarterbacks. I mean, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that was that was kind mm-hmm. of the way things ended last season. You look at this group, and and you say, wow, you know, these are these are guys who are the new wave. These are guys who obviously can can hurt you. In the, in the way that you think a quarterback can traditionally in the passing game, but these guys have different dimensions to games, and, and they are the modern quarterbacks, and, and and you have to build your defense to compete with them. And I think the Browns took some major steps in doing that this offseason in upgrading all three levels. And, and I think Andrew Berry is going to continue to do so in the draft with that cornerback that I'm guessing is going to be the first-round pick. <laughs> and probably another edge rusher. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm 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 with you, Dan. I'm not ready to put them in the Super Bowl. I'm I'm willing to say that they're among you know six seven teams that, that are in the in the thick of the conversation. And Jadavian Clowney has the potential, if, if 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 those knees and the core and all that stuff can stay intact and doesn't need any uh cleanups this year wow you know we could be looking at at this big picture and saying wow that was a move that really did elevate them uh, not just as a defense but as a as a team and a franchise it has that potential that's part of the high ceiling that i see with him i mean you just don't have two number one overall picks playing defensive end for you and the browns do right so yeah, I mean, the talent is there. Um Baker Mayfield uh needs to continue to grow with Kevin Stefanski and 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 there's plenty of reasons to think he can because look what they did in the second half of the season. Look at how Baker had 20 touchdowns and two interceptions to finish the season. So all that's there, but I just stop short of putting him in the Super Bowl because there's just, you know, the talent's there. Um you can see it happening, but you've got these other really good teams with, with these quarterbacks I'm talking about to contend with, and nothing is easy. You are in the conversation, though, and I think that you were in the conversation no matter what because of, of what you proved last year, and, and you're only strengthening your case with the moves Andrew Berry's made to the defense. So that's kind of how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you though Expectation should be Should be a next step And the next step Is the AFC Championship game It literally is the next step They fell just short of it
1: In January Yeah, and look it, the, the AFC is such a meat grinder Is the other thing be, Besides all the names you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger is still in Pittsburgh I, I don't care if his play has fallen off Or they've fallen off a little bit that's still Pittsburgh Joe Burrow. If he's healthy, the Bengals are going to be better. Um, you don't know what you're going to have with the jets. They're, they're going to take a quarterback second overall and Zach Wilson. Probably the, the dolphins are, are really loading up. Justin Herbert with chargers looks really, really good. Um, it's the AFC is just a meat grinder right now. And that, that, is potentially bad news for the Browns. So, all right, Nate, with, with that said, let's let's talk cereal. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, maybe you've been under a rock this week, but Nick Chubb, the Browns running back, he is coming out with Chubb Crunch. It's going to come out in the fall, time for the NFL season. It's going to be available on the website of the, I don't know if they're the makers of the cereal, I don't think they're actually making cereal themselves, but they come up with the idea for these athlete cereals. It's called PLB sports and entertainment. They are famous for Flutie Flakes uh, is their biggest thing. They have a bunch of other athlete based cereals. Um, you can get it on their website in the fall. Heinen's in the area in the Cleveland area will have them. Um, so if you're a, if you're a fancy grocery shopper going to Heinen's, you can get your Chubb Crunch there. But the the cool thing is, um, part of part of the proceeds of this go to uh, the First Candle charity, and that that goes toward sudden infant death syndrome, which is uh, something that has uh, struck Nick Chubb's family. One of his relatives uh, passed away from that recently. So it's for a good cause. These things make really good um, memorabilia keepsakes. Someone I work with has the what did he say? Some oh Joey Votto of the Reds. He has the Vatos uh, cereal. So they they do fun stuff. Their website, if you base it on their other cereals, they're charging twenty five dollars for two boxes. So. It's not cheap cereal, but presumably it's good. What was written about this by TMZ is that um, Chub Crunch will taste like cinnamon toast crunch, which, Nate, I got to tell you, that is my reigning, defending, undisputed heavyweight champion of breakfast cereals. So oh that's where that that's where our conversation's turning. This take is so
0: hot. Are you familiar with this, the the whole contaminated uh, cinnamon toast crunch thing on Twitter? Of course I am. Oh well, yeah, that not, ruined it for it, me, man. That ruined it
1: for me. I hope that was a hoax because
0: that that shook me. I can I can't even think about eating
1: that anymore. Are you are you telling me that a guy who is a professional humor writer? just came across some shrimp tails in cinnamon toast crunch i I think that was a complete fabrication Uh, i think it was a it was made to disgrace the good name of cinnamon toast crunch the most electrifying cereal on the shelves i mean the milk after you eat cinnamon (laughs) toast crunch so good (laughs) so that,
0: yeah. <laughs> i didn't investigate I, I, it at all i did not investigate it at all i will just say that just the image of the shrimp tails in the bag or whatever it just is too much Charlie. yeah but right. it was never so, my it was never my number one but i i mean i get it uh-huh. i get it being on the list um but what do you have a top three top five what are we talking how I mean, you clearly well, have been trying to jump to this part of the podcast for like 20 minutes.
1: So what do we got? I here? have. Well, I I tiered it. There's this website called <laughs> Tier Maker, which, which is one of those websites where I, I see it and I get angry that I didn't make it because it's brilliant. Because okay. I always have these power rankings of things. And what this does, it it gives you all the options. And you drop them in tiers. It's great. So it has S tier, which is the best easily by far and then it does letter a b c d um so i have cinnamon toast crunch in my s tier and then i have apple cinnamon cheerios so those are my top two and they're they're followed by i think i put this in there because the image is a little small i have raisin bran crunch honey nut cheerios and because i am an extremely old man I have frosted mini wheats in there, so Nate, I guess that's my top five. Where, where am I wrong? What am I missing? I, I need your cereal takes because you're a much better eater than I am.
0: jeez, uh, the um, I don't I, it's all it's fine. My, I don't think that I would have any of those in
1: my top five though. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, let, let's hear it. I mean, what, okay. what's All right. your well, top here's, here's,
0: Okay, so I'm going to go on a spiel here. There is a Nature Valley granola cereal. It's peanut butter and dark chocolate. It mm-hmm. has high protein, 11 grams per serving, which I like because if you have that with milk, that gets you to like 15 grams of protein or well, more than that. That's that's good nutrition. If you if you eat that much protein uh, in a meal, you're gonna stay full longer. All this. I'm not an expert, but you know, this is this is the way I live life. So this cereal, I'm telling you, was my go-to for for a long time, for years. Something happened, and I don't know what, but I had not been able to find it for. Probably a couple of
1: years at the grocery well, store. Well, you know what happened? It's not good, and it didn't sell enough, so they stopped making it. No, That's I all? don't believe that. I <laughs> don't believe that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Something happened with the supply. It, it, it was too good, and they couldn't keep it on the shelves. I don't know what happened with it. They have other versions of granola on there uh, on the shelf still by nature valley and they just don't compare to this one so any kind of peanut butter chocolate combination that's what i'm all about so i see reese's puffs like toward the end of your list i think i mean i wouldn't put that as my number one but i would put that in my top five um i just i didn't have it a ton because i think it you know i was probably a little older when it came out <laughs> it wasn't like yes, i grew up with I, it i've
1: never had it I've oh okay okay it.
0: so i've had it and it's delicious but it's not like i grew up with it but like this is like the adult version of that this nature valley that i can no longer find so i've put those two up there one that's very simple and i don't see it anywhere on your list because i'm looking at the pictures you sent me i like golden grams a lot
1: uh I don't know if they had Golden Grams as an option. Okay. I, 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 I used everything they gave me. Is Golden Grams similar to Honeycomb or Golden Crisp? What is Golden Grams?
0: Golden Grams is essentially just graham cracker type cereal. It's in little squares. You put it in milk, and it's just a heavenly combination. It's not anything like Honeycomb, not a Honeycomb So,
1: candy. so it's a cinnamon toast crunch knockoff.
0: Um, cinnamon toast crunch doesn't remind me of graham crackers.
1: Well, it's cinnamon. What's well, a graham cracker?
0: Well, this is not a cinnamon graham cracker. This is like just a grant, like a, a slightly like honey glazed graham cracker, but it has a perfect it's a, crunch. Hmm. It's different than cinnamon toast crunch. All
1: right. Maybe fair they're,
0: enough. Fair enough. I guess you could call them cousins or whatever. But Cinnamon Toast Crunch never tasted like a graham cracker to me.
1: Well, no, it tastes like Cinnamon Toast.
0: Okay, but this tastes like a graham cracker. Golden <laughs> grams.
1: Golden grams. Interesting. Maybe they don't sell that either anymore. Who knows? Maybe your maybe your cereal habits are stuck in 1991.
0: No, they sell Golden Grams.
1: Oh, really? Golden, oh, yeah.
0: Golden Grams has stood the test of time for sure. <laughs> you know what else I'd go in top five? So I, I'll go the two peanut butter cereals, including the one I can't find. I'll go Golden Grahams. I'll go um, Frosted Flakes.
1: you got that in here, but it's not very high. No, I have that C tier. I it's like that. It's just yeah. It gets too soggy too fast.
0: Okay, well, maybe there's some mechanical issues there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember that. And it's one I definitely grew up with. Um, Sure. And... Oh, man. I like... you ever had, like, banana nut crunch?
1: I have. And I I like that. that The unfortunate thing with what this site offered was it was a lot more, like, kids' cereals. And, you know, we're we're two full-grown adults uh, who eat things like banana nut or like what's that cereal called basic i think and it has like nuts and fruit in it and, and stuff i that would have been S tier as well for me but yeah they, they did not have banana nut crunch unfortunately yeah.
0: that that's that's a good one so those are five right there um i do like mm. a, a a nice uh cereal that uh, makes my milk turn chocolate um i i mean i cocoa pebbles i mean that's a classic. I would probably put that in right after those top five. Um, mm-hmm. And I do like another one you have on here. Um, Honey Smacks. Yeah.
1: I like, I like that. Honey Smacks. Isn't that the kind of the same thing as Apple Jacks?
0: No. Oh,
1: yeah, there it is. is. Yeah, she- yeah. now, yeah. yeah. Now I remember it. Yeah, it's the toasted rice thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, I like. I, I hastily put this together before we started recording.
0: Um, so you don't even really know you're on tears, but that's okay. I mean, you, <laughs> you,
1: well, I, know I, the I top just yes,
0: yeah, cinnamon toast crunch. I, I I I liked growing up, but. You know, I, I just can't shake that image of the
1: shrimp. Huh. Well, I, I'm sad to hear that it has clouded your judgment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has. It's, it's traumatic.
1: Now, you have kids. I, I have to assume they eat cereal because cereal is essentially a kid's uh, food. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm a full-grown adult who eats cereal from time to time still. But uh, do do the kids have a favorite, and have you barred them from eating cinnamon toast crunch now?
0: Yeah. <laughs> they they are still pretty young, so they haven't been introduced to all the sugary goodness. Mm. Um, they pretty much are on what you would I would consider like the healthier cereals, I guess. I
1: mean, <laughs> look, I mean, that that's good parenting. That's
0: I mean, you know I mean,
1: it's. These are terrible for you.
0: Right. I mean, you could argue it's bad parenting in some ways. Just, you know, let the kids have fun. But, like, every morning, like, here's the thing. Like, I feel like I am beaten down on a daily basis and, and need to just sleep all day. Um, <laughs> and, and they had just have an infinite amount of energy without an ounce of sugar. In their system, so you know, like most kids, uh, <laughs> that is yeah. a factor. So you sure. know, mostly it's Cheerios, uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, um, Rice Krispies, uh, mm. Kix. I uh, I think those are pretty much the 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 main ones. Oh, we have Chex. So they like all of those and they do like, this is the thing that, yeah. And, 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 you know, I'll get golden grams occasionally and and they like that. Or I have like some peanut butter granola, um, stuff that I eat that they'll, they like to try sometimes. Um, and they do like to mix cereals. They got that from me. My wife thinks it's crazy, but I do like to mix some cereals sometimes. Especially now I'll buy like a peanut butter granola cereal and a chocolate granola, and I'll mix them, trying to recreate that delicious Nature Valley that I can't find. It's
1: not as good, but you know it takes the edge off mm-hmm. a little. Man, I, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for this Nature Valley cereal. Not to buy it for you, but so I can taste it myself. Let, let's not confuse that. But
0: I mean, I there, are, this has happened to me before, where I find mm-hmm. something that is so good. It it just can't stay on the shelves, and then it just doesn't exist anymore. There's (laughs) a, I swear to God, there's this honey mustard. It was called Honey Bee, and had like a little bee cartoon. It was not the Honey Nut Cheerios guy, but probably a relative. This was a go-to mustard, and I can, it's gone. Vanished.
1: R.I.P. What was that, Honey Bee Mustard?
0: Yeah, I think it I'm not sure if it was local or not, but Mm. yeah, you could find it. It, you know, it was with all the other mustards, you know, acne or giant eagle around here, but no longer.
1: Well, look, if anybody's out there still listening to us ramble on about food and and you have honeybee mustard in your area, get in touch. I will tell you how to send it to us. Um, So when I go to give it to Nate. I can smash it on the ground and laugh. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So if anybody sees that or Nate's Nature Valley dark chocolate peanut butter cereal, oh, so ho- holler at us. We'll, we'll we'll pay you for it. We'll we'll give you a shout out. The whole deal. So well,
0: well, before you go though, it, yeah, Chub Crunch is supposed to be like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, isn't it?
1: It is. However. I've heard fluty Flakes. I've been told by sources who live in Buffalo that fluty Flakes are not good. Mm. So we'll see. I, I I will probably buy some. I don't know if I need two boxes and Heinen's is kind of going out of the way for me, but I might order some and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'll give you one of the boxes and then we, we can have. We can have a tasting test.
0: Yeah, I think we need a solid half-hour review. But I will I will add that um, good cause, right? So yes, no matter how the cereal ends up tasting, uh, I I do, uh, like you did earlier, tip my cap to, to Nick Chubb for that.
1: Right. And again, the, the proceeds from each sale go to First Candle. So, you know, if you don't want to wait for the fall to buy Chubb Crunch, I'm sure you can track down a way to donate to first candle again that that supports a cause that raises awareness for sudden infant death syndrome um so you know it, it it's, a, it's a very serious issue it's a very tragic issue so if, if you're looking for a place to donate to know that it's one that is supported by brown's running back nick chubb who is you know he's the guy salt of the earth kind of player so uh, with that said, Nate, anything else before we, we check out this week?
0: I don't think so. You know, it's just it. one thing that we didn't mention earlier and kind of we're mentioning cereal and, you know, we associate it with childhood. And mm-hmm. this is kind of a, an offshoot of that. But I just keep thinking about Joe Woods this offseason. He's getting his toys. So good for Joe Woods. <laughs> He got a lot of grief last year from Brown's fans and Mm -hmm. he just did not have the personnel. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with it because he's a likable guy. um, And he's got a lot of Akron uh, connections with his family. And um, you know, I would just like to see him get an opportunity to kind of show what he can do with this. You know, they're, there comes a little bit of, you know, pressure and expectations now, you know, with that because he does have the players. Yep. Um but also he has the players. So it's a hell of an opportunity. So yeah, cereal toys Joe Woods. I'm I'm done. Thanks, Dan. That,
1: that that's a nice way to put a bow on this week's edition of Cover 2 a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Head over to BeaconJournal.com sports slash Browns. There is so much stuff up there right now. Full-blown coverage of the Jadavian Clowney signing, a ton of lead-up to the draft stuff, information about the draft itself being in Cleveland. So it, it's all there, and it's going to keep coming over the next two weeks. The NFL season does not stop, and we have you covered here on Cover 2. So thank you very much for listening.